Hello, listener. Welcome to Marching In, a dedicated Southampton FC podcast hosted by me, Luke Innes, and Sam Apperton. Music comes from Lawrence Norton. If you want to stay up to date with the pod and find out about future guests and upcoming episodes, you can find us on Twitter at Marching In Pod. Okay, wonderful. We are on and we are into the new episode of Marching In. Welcome, listeners. We are joined, well, myself and Sam are joined by none other than Paul Cox. I think this might be your fourth appearance on the pod, Paul. How are you doing? I'm good, mate. How are you? I think it is number four for me as well. Number four. It's been a, it's been a while. Um, and yeah, perhaps quite an interesting period to, to look back on. But me and Sam podded couple of weeks back now just going into this three game spell that we've had um so yeah very much looking forward to going over that getting your thoughts on on Ralph and everything in between um Samuel how are you doing mate yeah I'm okay yeah I'm quite glad I got the prediction right for the those three games four points but not quite Is that what you expect- said four I did points. say four points but I, bizarre way of getting them yeah I was expecting a defeat of Arsenal maybe a draw at Burnley and win at Brighton but it went completely the other way around. Yeah, fine. Well, maybe let's start uh, at the Amex with Sunday's performance and we can do also a little look back at yeah the, the three points we picked up against Arsenal and the pretty lacklustre performance um, in, in Burnley. Uh, yeah, so I guess some news that literally has just broken before we get on to, to the topic um, of the game is that Tino's injury is as bad as as we suspect. So yeah, not not good news at all. And it's pretty um kind of nasty scenes, I guess, in terms of what played out on the pitch. And I, I was listening to a pod and they said in some ways it's one of the worst points to actually sustain an injury like that because he's very likely now to miss the whole of this calendar year, which almost writes off next season as well because you're playing catch up and yeah, it's just gutting news for him and the team, given the impact he's had. So, yeah, I mean, not not much other than, yeah, very sad news. But any reaction to that? You just sort of tell as soon as it happened, it was a bad one. I mean, obviously, Brian, I think Brian saw the ball. And obviously, it wasn't a head injury, but the referee knew straight away it was a bad one. Stopped the game, did quite well, to be fair to him. And, um, yeah, just the way he went down, it just, it just reminded me a lot of the... Um, the Rodriguez one at Man City what, seven, eight years ago, which you can just tell straight away it's going to be a bad one. And yeah, fingers crossed he comes back as good a player as he, as he was when, before he got the injury. Yeah, I think that as well. Like, I, I, that was where my brain went to, Sam, as well, the Jay Rodriguez one. And I was listening to the Peter Crouch podcast on the way to work last week and I didn't know, I only thought Shearer did it once, but apparently did his cruciate three times. So I suppose there's proof there. I mean, greatest goal scorer in the Premier League, but that you can come back from it but some some players don't come back from it so you just kind of hope but you think with all the developments in physical therapy and everything like that that he's in the it's the best as bad as it sounds it's the best time to sustain an injury for that for recovery 
than it maybe would have been like 10, 15 years ago. I think we've obviously come a long way from Shearer's era, but their players even back then did did recover. But it always used to be the LCA, ACL injury used to be the one, didn't it, that I think players would feel they're kind of maybe not the same with. But is, is the most kind of high-profile recent ACL injury verge probably against against Everton? Was that an ACL yeah. injury? I believe it was. And yeah. I mean, he, he looks probably better than he did pre that injury and, and how good good he's been. So, yeah, I guess just best wishes to to Tino. And as, as you said, Paul, he's, he's in good hands, I think, with um, the, the broader kind of yeah, sports science community and the, the team at Saints, but just just gutting to, to happen. And I think it's also a game that neither team really cared about and you probably want to come away from games like that with yeah, a clean bill of health and unfortunately we haven't. But the game finished 2-2. We were ropey from, you know, minute one basically and conceded a slightly strange goal and then slightly stranger own goal from Salisu, but were bailed out by JWP. Um, I guess let's start with, with JWP given kind of the one of the biggest talking points from our season will be him now being second place to, to Bex. And um, yeah, I guess the quality of his, his dead ball delivery is, but just his all-round game and, and I think his performance on Sunday was, was excellent. I think for us, mate, I think the biggest thing as Saints fans is we see how good he is. Anybody that just watches match of the day will go, oh, he only takes good dead ball. He's, without him... We're showing like when I, when I think he carries our team. Like I think I text you, Sam, jokingly when he when he scored the second one. I was like, make him play a manager. Like he's the only one that I think you can, with the exception of Forster, the last few games that we can genuinely count on. But I got thinking during that game, like he missed out on the Euro, Euro squad. If the World Cup was this summer, I think he'd definitely go. But now he's now got to go and prove himself for another seventeen game stretch in order to get into the, that World Cup team. But you think about it, you think of the players in his position, like he's a number eight, Kelvin, De- Kelvin Davis, uh, Kelvin Phillips, um, Declan Rice, Jordan Henderson, all play a similar position, but he, they don't get them back into games like he does for us. Like we were dead and buried on Saturday and we got lucky with a free kick and it was a great free kick. We were lucky to get it. It was against a run of play. We got a free kick. We scored. It changed the game. And without him, I, ju- I just think we're shit. <laughs> like, I, I think we are. And I think I've said it before when I was on it before. If we lose him, and I think I had Livermore, although his form's dipped a little bit second half of the season, without players like that, we're Fulham or Bournemouth. We're, we're going to go up, down, up, down. But there's, uh, that's my TED talk on Will Prowse. You look at the last couple of away games we've had, and, well, we've either lost quite comfortably or... We've been on the verge of losing quite comfortably and Wolf Browse has dragged us back into it with a bit of quality. Leads away, free kick. Saturday, the free kick to bring us back in the game just before half-time and then obviously that goal just after half-time. If it wasn't for him, we'd be on the... We'd be looking at, what, five, six away games in a row defeats. And it's... Uh, yeah, it's pretty damning on the rest of the team that he's literally having to claw us back in every single game at the moment. It's just the free kicks now. It's just... For the, for the keepers, they don't know where he's going to go because you've, had, you've got the usual one where he just whips it to the top corner. But the one against Wolves, the knuckleball, and Saturday, he goes low. I'm sorry, Sunday, he goes low. So the keepers now have got no idea where he's going to go. So they've prop- they no idea where to stand. They've got no idea how to line the room up. 
They just they had no idea where Will Pryor was going to put his free kicks. And that was such such clever play by him to, to vary his free kicks now rather than be a one-trick pony and just have that one where he whips into the top corner. Best free kick taker of all time? Yes. In the Premier League, I think, yeah. I mean, people talk about Janino, was it Percy Ricardo? He was pretty special for Leon, but in terms of the Premier League, you can't really argue with it. I mean, obviously Beckham's still ahead of him. But we it's in the sale past him. Was it Nakamura for Celtic? He had a good free kick on him, didn't he? He did, yeah. yeah. Left peg. Yeah, I mean, you, you've kind of given him all the praise that he needs. I thought the the one on Sunday was relatively interesting and obviously where he went, but like you say about goalkeepers almost, I think someone maybe even touched on it on match of the day too, in that they're, they're kind of on the back foot. <laughs> uh, and Sanchez reacts quite late, I think, to it. And I mean, seeing it first time and, and again on the replay, I was kind of thinking probably Sanchez should have done a bit better. But I think it's just that element of surprise that, he couldn't quite see it until it had almost gone past the wall. And at that point it was too late, but it did look like he moved, moved that bit late. But yeah, I just thought, and, and second half, we obviously improved, I think, drastically on where we were in the first half, which was, yeah, real lack of creativity, looking very vulnerable. But he was part of all of that. And I think to your point, Paul, on what he gives us that other midfielders kind of lack in, in, for, for England specifically, just is that ability to keep us ticking over, keep us on the front foot and keep the the ball in kind of that dangerous area. And I think he did that really nicely. Like his first touch a lot of the time was excellent. He played some really decent balls out wide. Um, and then his finish, which, yeah, I think obviously the, the Saints Twitter admin said, uh, set piece merchant with a winky face in that it was just a, a really decent strike. And actually a strike that yeah, he's, he's probably scored a couple open play goals similar to it in his Saints career, but we don't see loads from him, do we? I got one against Spurs near this season, sort of a, almost the one that dropped him on the on the half volley, but it was, yeah, from a player of his quality, he should be scoring more from open play, but it was really nice, really nicely worked goal. Just after that, the game just sort of heated out. I mean, Brian had that goal just allowed after that, but other than that, I can't really remember us having many other clear-cut chances. I mean, Long at a shot, which Sanchez made to look a lot harder than it was. And then, apart from that, there was nothing we really offered. And that was sort of the story of the game, really. Brighton were much the better team for at least definitely the first half. I mean, they should have been, I mean, Grant Potter said they should have at least been 2 0 up at half time, which is, which is right. Yeah, the defensive frailties are such a worry at the moment because whatever we seem to try, I mean, we tried, obviously, had the three at the back against Arsenal, which worked because obviously. I think we just our plan in that game after the um, after the Chelsea thrashing was defend at all costs. Basically, weren't going to attack that game. What's to Burnley? And for some, I mean, we'll go over this later. But I just did not get playing the same team against Burnley as did against Arsenal. Completely different opponents, completely different game. And then it gets to Saturday, and you haven't, you haven't throw together another four at the back, which haven't played together for a couple of games. And Solution's not played for three or four matches. Bednarek's been out of form for seems like about five years. Um it's generous. <laughs> Walker Peters well, Walker Peters was fine. And then obviously Livermento went off with that injury and Harona to come in. And even before, I think that first goal was a bit of a mess really from Bednarek, Salisa and, and Forster. And just then after that 
Brighton probably should have been probably should have been three or four up at the break. Yeah, I mean, we can talk about the the kind of three three game group that we've just had together. In that, it was a bit of a strange sort of scenario to find ourselves in, where we sort of reversed all of the um, attacking prowess that we've had throughout the season in that Arsenal game to say, look, you know, and I think Ralph even said it after the Chelsea game that we won't defend like that again next week. Well, <laughs> quite a bold statement when you've just conceded six, but we we basically just parked the bus at, at home to Arsenal. And I mean, yeah, it's kind of a, a bit of a strange goal that Bednarek scores to, to give us the win. But then to persist with that system against Burnley, I'm similar to you, Sam. I was just scratching my head thinking, this is a side in Burnley that have won four games up until then, all, all season. You know, they're, they're one of the weaker teams in the league. And, you know, I appreciate they've just got rid of Daesh and are changing things slightly at the minute. But that should be a, a game where we sort of play our, our bread and butter. And I think Ralph was just so concerned with how exposed we've been of late in that system that he, he felt it was right to go to, to the three at the back again. And... I don't know. It just it just felt very odd, and and again we we did that and looked vulnerable pretty much all of that first half against Burnley, even with that system, and then again we looked equally as vulnerable first half against Brighton. Yeah, I just never I never agreed not change the winning team. I mean, some sometimes you think yeah keep keep the momentum going, but there wasn't really that much momentum for the Arsenal game. We we almost, we flew to one 0 win basically because Forrest had a world in. Arsenal didn't take their chances. I don't understand why you keep the same team for Burnley away. So, as I said before, completely different set of circumstances. Burnley are a team up until then were woefully out of form, just lost their manager ten years. They were there for the taking, and we played into their hands. Really, just sat off. And other than the early chances from Romeo, we we had absolutely nothing in the game. And I think Burnley should have won by more. I agree with you, Sam. When you say about you shouldn't change a winning team because I think that's what they're paid for. They're paid for like each game's different, each opponent's different, especially in this stage of the season. Like Burnley are fighting for something, and then I don't know if you saw it on Paddy Power on Twitter. They put Southampton every April, and it's a picture of uh, Wenger on the bench uh, on the beach. Have you seen that? And it's just yeah. him just casual and it's like Southampton every April. And I think that do you know what? Like we don't really have anything to play for. We are safe. Do we just that? That's the time to you know experiment. Oh, I think that my standard formation will work now for this game and it didn't work but it was luckily I had training that day and I was only following it on my phone and I was texting you Sam and I was like I'm glad I'm here and not watching it at home yeah come on then Coxie and Sam let's get into a bit of Ralph chat given we're flirting flirting with the idea let's uh let's tackle it yeah face on Paul, I assume your stance hasn't changed, given when we last spoke, I think we're in a good run of form and you're still on the fence. So yeah, <laughs> I, I, I can only assume you you and the family are uh, still very much Ralph out. Yeah, and I think the biggest... <laughs> I was meant to come on after Chelsea, but I think something came up and it's probably a good idea because I was fuming. <laughs> I was fuming. <laughs> but I think the, the biggest thing, we had... Um, again, I didn't see the Chelsea game. We had a game that day... Um, and it was just during the morning. I was following up my phone. I was watching a little bit on my phone. Was just, But the goals were coming in just thick and fast. And it just got me thinking that... And again, I, like, I know that, Sam, you're on, the, you're on the fence. Maybe you're leaning more out than in now. And I think, Luke, you're a big... You have been a supporter of Ralph. 
my biggest thing is I've not understood the why people are so passionately defending him. Um, and then there's always this answer, well, who's better out there? And it's like, well, he's not Pep or he's not Klopp. Like we, we're, we're putting him on this pedestal. Like he's this great manager. And he's like, for me, he's the Austrian Tony Pulis. Like there's, when you say who's out there's better, pretty much everyone. But the thing, the thing that I suppose that the thing that's bothered me, and this is where I don't get why passion, people passionately defend him is I think from the Wessex League up, no manager should lose 9-0. This might come back to bite me in the arse, I'll probably coach a game and lose 9-0 now. But <laughs> he's done it twice, which is unbelievable. But the moment we go 2-0 down inside 10, 15 minutes, the, the joke comes out. Here it comes, the 9-0. And I got that message in, a, in three different group chats said, is this the annual 9-0? And it is a joke and it is banter, but the joke has come from one man. He's made us a, like he's made this now a running joke that I don't think will ever end. So in my head, in my head, he, he's made our club a joke, a running that joke. Game should, that Chelsea game should have been nine at least. Yeah. I watched. Miss, I watched the highlights, mate, by half time. Yeah, they missed so lucky. many chances. We were lucky that Timo. It was Timo Werner up front, and he still yeah. scored two. <laughs> so that, that's my thing. I was like, I think he's made us a running joke by every time that we go two 0 down inside, say thirty minutes. Oh, here we go again. But that's my that's my thought. I think after if you lose night, I do give him credit, and I do admire the fact that you continue doing your job after getting smacked nine nil. But it's people continue to defend him. I said to Sam, I was like, it's like your missus cheating on you with all the neighbours, and then going, ah, that's what she's like. <laughs> <laughs> and then she just goes out, and keeps shagging all the neighbours again. My argue, on, I, don't understand, I don't understand the argument of like. Like Coxie said, of um, oh, who, who's better out there? I mean, it's not our job to, it's not our job to find someone who's better out there. If, if the club can't, club, the club have got people lined up. If Ralph was to say resign tomorrow, the, the club will have people lined up. And like, when, say when Mark Hughes got sacked in what 2018, not one Saints fan when he left was going, oh, let's get Ralph, Ralph Hasenhut and win. All of a sudden, the name came out. And people going, oh yeah, he's quite good. He's good at Leipzig, stuff like that. But no one's going. Oh, he's sat Mark Hughes. Go and get Ralph Hazard. Good point. There wasn't, there wasn't someone, anyone saying that beforehand. And the same thing will happen again when when Ralph eventually does resign or get sacked. We, I guarantee you, we'll not be doing what we did like with Mark Hughes and getting someone from the usual merry-go-round. We'll be going to get someone that's fits the in inverted commas Southampton way, which is. Another, which is a load of bollocks, but that's 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 for another day. And um, yeah, it won't. It's not down to us to find the new manager. If as and when it happens, it's down to the club, and they'll have someone lined up who who will probably fit a similar philosophy to Ralph, but hopefully won't get, as Coxie said, slapped nine nil. And have, especially with new owners in now, they won't they won't be looking at it thinking we've got we've massively invested into Ralph. He's our guy. They'll be thinking, well, I think. I mean, personally, I think you'll get at least the summer anyway. You'll get the summer where they'll, they'll probably invest a bit more money than what we have done before. And if and if the results aren't what they should be, he'll, he'll get the boot. Not someone above Martin Simmons. I think Martin Simmons and Ralph are obviously quite close, but someone above him will just say, look, he's not our guy. Let's get rid of him. That, that, will, that will happen if we don't start next season properly. Mm. I think the, the thing that I kind of do fall back on is with the 
squad that he's been asked to coach and there have been notorious drubbings, which I'm, you know, there's no point going over again. I feel like he's done as good as could be expected of it. And, you know, a team that includes players like Jan Valerie, Shane Long in 2022, and I appreciate he's picking these players, but, but he really has had not the easiest set of cards dealt to him in terms of the, the personnel. And for those notorious drubbings, we've not really ever looked like going down. And you can caveat that by saying that it's due to the quality of the league, there's always three far worse teams, all that kind of stuff. But we've not really been in danger under Ralph any season. And I think, Coxie, you said when you were last on about how he just has that like Christmas spell where he almost saves his job every year. And we don't want to be relying on that year in, year out. And I fully expect that under the new ownership, we'll probably they will be a little bit more cold towards the idea that Ralph kind of has a job at, at any, you know, any cost. But I still feel that there's, you know, merit in giving the guy a summer with the right backing to see what can be achieved. And if after that, you know, he's left with an 11 that I think we're all saying, look, that is a decent ordering on top half Premier League 11 and Ralph isn't getting the best out of them. That's when I very much would be in agreement with both of you that it's time for him to move on. But for me, it's still that balance of what he's had to work with, the lowest net spend since he's been out of any Premier League club, you know, not really ever in a relegation battle. That needs to be commended. I appreciate that is very much going against what you both have just outlined. My my fear is that we're 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 losing we're potentially losing out on managers as well. Like I, I said to I mentioned Eddie Howe on it. I think the first time I was on it, this was like back in the end of last year. And then there were at the time, this is when he was out of work, there seemed that like a lot of people were against him for whatever reason. And then I mean they're flying with Newcastle, but it's funny because now people are like, oh, they spent all that money. But when, but before they had this run, they were like, they've got all that money and they spent it on Chris Wood, Matt Target and Dan Byrne. You can't have it both ways. So like, I think they bought a good player in Bruno and they bought a good player in Trippi, but Trippi hasn't played in the latest like, bit, like run. So I fear that we've missed, we've missed out on something like Eddie Howe. I think the jury's out on Gerrard a little bit. It started well, but kind of been there. Did we miss out on him? But then I got thinking on, I got thinking on the game on Sunday um, I like Graham Potter. I think that he does a good job. I think Brighton, I think Brighton are getting ahead of us in terms of their structure, like their transfers, the way that they handle their business. They're very strategic in the way that they do things. I think Potter has a good style of football. They just don't necessarily have a striker to put the ball in the back of the net. So I look at I look at Brighton and go, Potter would be a good manager, I think, for us. But would he leave Brighton for us? I don't think so. But I think two or three years ago when we lost Kuman, and I know Potter, nobody heard of Graham Potter then, but if Potter was in the league then, we could have probably nabbed him like Tottenham nabbed Pochettino from us and the way that Everton got Kuman from us. We could have maybe then picked that next one up. But now I think we're in a situation to now look into the championship like we've done with our players. I know you'd mentioned Mark Robbins before, um, Luke. I'll tell you the one that catches my eye a little bit, Steve Cooper at Forest. I think he's done a great job there. He did a decent job at Swansea, but I think that's just where we're at now. But then the question is, is Steve Cooper better than Ralph? Yeah, interesting. We say about uh, Brian's transfer strategy. 
just how how what strategy we use in the summer. Obviously, we've got Rasmus Ankerson with us now. I mean, it's not it's not really clear how how involved he'll be on the recruiting side of things, but when we are sort of dipping into that sort of pool, obviously Brian got Brian have brought through quite a lot of like unknown players like is it Sasado and Wapu and plate players like that have come through almost like signs that we would have made three or four years ago. So it will be interesting if we sort of adopted a new strategy and obviously hopefully invest a bit more as well in the summer to and then that will leave Ralph in a situation where we will have a hopefully we'll have a stronger squad and see where we go from there. But yeah, I mean I'm not I'm definitely not Ralph out completely. I'm not I'm, I'm not as strong as Coxie on that, but it's got to the point where we don't we don't we just don't want to stagnate because it's gonna be coming up four years now. He's been there and I think next season's make or break for him. I think the big thing for him is it always comes back. Luke, you said I've seen it loads of loads of places on Twitter. I have people text me, they say, Oh, his net spend's really low and I'm like, Okay, and and maybe if we do spend something might change. So I'm like, I'm open to that. I'm like, right, if the new owners are gonna back him this summer and we're gonna and we're gonna bring in and we, honestly, we need to bring in like five or six players that are going to start to make a real change. Like we need, if we let Forster go, we're going to need a keeper. We need a centre-back along Salisu. Walker-Peters be fine. I'm not sold on our left-back. I think we need a midfielder in with War-Prowse. Two new number 10s and at least a new striker. So, mate, yeah, maybe six. Keeper, centre-half, left-back, centre-mid, two, ten, seven. <laughs> we're going to be struggling yeah. at right-back right for the rest of the year now as well. Yeah. I think it is worth just pour, yeah, just kind of pausing on the, the player discussion as well because some news has come out today around Fraser Forster potentially being allowed to go on a free this summer and us keeping McCarthy, which given what's happened in the last kind of four to six weeks seems baffling. Um, quickly on on how though, Coxie, I think it's a really good point. Like, could be close to being manager of the year for, for the job he's done at, at, at Newcastle. And I think... Yeah, they, they spent money and shored up their, their team very well. But, you know, they, they they looked very competitive as a team where they didn't earlier on in, in the, the season. And there are some other names. You, you obviously mentioned Robbins and, and Cooper. Um, Nathan Jones at, at Luton is obviously probably being uh, given the manager of the, the year award from the championship. He only ever really seems to do a good job at Luton, I think, because he, <laughs> he had a brief spell at Stoke, which was abysmal. Um, so yeah, that, I think I think that probably is where where we look. But given the input of Rasmus Ankerson and, and Sport Republic, who rumoured to be making their next kind of purchase soon um, of, a, of a Turkish side, I, I can't I can't help but think they've probably got ideas that are maybe outside of of English English football. Um, on the player situation, I mean, I guess let's t- talk about Fraser because kind of we spoke about this, Sam, without him, the 6-0 against Chelsea would have been worse. Of course it, of course it would have been. He, he was excellent that day. He was also really good against um, Arsenal. Okay, maybe slightly at fault um, for the the first goal, at least on, on Sunday, but he's just had a really good end to the season and it just seems bizarre, these stories now that, he might be moving on. The club have put themselves in an awkward position, well, almost a stupid position, because they've given McCarthy a new contract months ago, which has been reported by the Athletic, I know, and hasn't been announced by the club. I think the the, um, the agent fees were announced a couple of weeks ago and it showed about McCarthy's new contract on there. 
So he's got a new contract. He'll be staying. Which, I mean, they obviously gave it to him in what, what, October, November time, maybe, when he was number one. He hasn't been seen since that Brighton game where that injury, well, Ralph basically dug him out for costing us the game, that injury, and not telling us that he was injured so we put another keeper on. And Forster in the last few months has probably been what he was under Coombe. He still has the odd wicket where I think the Leeds game as well, he, he sort of flaps it across, but he's just a much better shot stopper than Alex McCarthy. He always has been, always always will be really. He's always, he's always at a higher ceiling than McCarthy. McCarthy came from, if you forget, he, was, he bought him for number two at Crystal Palace and he wasn't exactly young then. He's not young now. And he's just not, he's not a Premier League number one and, and we're basically going to be keeping him for another probably three or four years on Premier League number one wages. Bringing in someone else younger who, I think it's like what we tried to do with Angus Gunn, obviously, obviously backfired a little bit and now we're going to be stuck with McCarthy on silly wages for the next few years. And it's just, just an absolute mess that they've dug themselves into now. Are they both out of contract? They were. Oh. But now McCarthy signed a new one. But it's not been announced, has it, Sam? That it's it kind of everyone knows it's happened, but it hasn't been announced. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, yeah. The club, have, the club haven't announced it, but it has happened. Where does Force the go, do you think? Newcastle or West Ham? Oh, he'll go to. I could see him going to a bigger club as a number two, maybe like, like a Chelsea or something like that. Yeah, I think I don't know. It depends on his form. Like, new, I think Newcastle have been linked with a new keeper all the time. Is that where he started his career as well? Yeah, he's Geordie. Yeah, is he? Yeah, you never know. Like that, I think. I mean, Debravka's all right, but you never know. He might he might be tempted to go back there and compete for number one or settle for number two. I don't know, but um, he did. He had the opportunity to sign for Celtic, didn't he? But he decided to come back. Just saying. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. is it is it him not wanting to sign, or we're not offering? I think they've just they obviously didn't see this coming with McCarthy signing his new contract, getting the injury, and then basically forced having to be number one for the rest of the season. And now the contract's been signed; they can't afford to give them both of them a new one because McCarthy's already already done putting himself into this. The situation really. it just just seems like nonsensical that situation I know we've had a bit of an issue with goalkeepers and, and I'm kind of looking through the league I, I don't think m- maybe sometimes you look at other teams and think through sort of rose tinted glasses and think they've got a better situation I don't think there are loads of teams that are like really happy with their keeper situation but given the impact that, that force has had there was some interesting data that I saw doing the rounds on Twitter I think Carragher went through it last night in terms of Allison's ability at one-on-ones and uh, there was a table and Forster was like fourth in that. I don't think we, he's not been in loads of one-on-one situations, but he does seem to, you know, I, I guess be that sort of imposing presence and shot-stopping keeper that he, he kind of was when he was at his best. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think we ideally want a keeper to compete with Forster rather than competing with McCarthy. And the rumour, I think some might've been Dan Sheldon or someone else, maybe someone from the Telegraph said, the rumor is that we're getting a younger keeper to come, you know, almost be number two to McCarthy, which doesn't seem to be a, a sensible situation. We've we found ourselves in there at all. Um, I will I will move it on um, to to kind of other interesting topics, and I'm conscious of time as well, chaps. 
anything to call out from the the few games in terms of topics that we've missed or, or talking points? So Arsenal, Burnley, and and Brighton. Every cloud, I guess, that puts Everton in a bit more a bit more of a tricky situation because it would be absolutely hilarious to see them get relegated. Yeah, I want Leeds to go down. I just want I just want the American coach to get relegated. <laughs> <laughs> You should be saying that, Coxie. It will be. Yeah. Oh, I just it would be funny. <laughs> it felt it was weird. I felt I thought they won like loads of games, and I thought, oh, they're safe. And then I looked I, at the league, I and I too. thought, fuck, they're actually not safe at all. If they would have lost last night, it would have made it very. I still think there's, there's one or two games can change. I mean, if they win two games, there, I think they're out of it. But they are. They're closer than I thought as well. I thought the same thing. I thought he got them safe, but they're not. Yeah. I think they've got a toughish run. Yeah, it is. And I know it's City next, but yeah, it's I think it's going to be interesting how that kind of goes down to the wire. But yeah, I mean, I was even looking at the table in relation to us. I mean, we've kind of been saying we're safe for a, a while. I mean, we, we are, but it probably will I think it will probably group up that like set of teams in in that you have those few that are on the beach and will have some strange results and maybe not win another game. And then those teams scrapping that, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I would just, Everton in the Championship just would be brilliant, I think. Um, it, it came up in my, a group chat of mine the other day. It said, if Everton go down, would it be the, like, the biggest shock relegation ever? But then I got thinking about it. I was like, Blackburn won the league and went down. Newcastle, massive club, were always at the top, yeah. went down. Leeds at the time when they went down after West, their dominance. West Ham when they had like Joe West, Cole and Defoe and all those. West Ham, Aston Villa. Like there's some big ones. I just think with I think Everton, they have a, they do have a lot of money, don't they? I think it's Everton just because they just never have. I mean, not even yeah. like, no, nothing, nothing like our lifetimes anyway. It seems like seven odd years until last went down, whereas Newcastle have been down up and down a couple of times, three or yeah. four times. I can remember. But yeah, Everton just yeah, that Newcastle one felt felt big when, when it happened. That Newcastle one felt big, I think. But like Sam says, just their their tenure in the top flight is is mad. And also, they've spent they have spent a shitload of money. Paul, you're right. Like, I think their their spend. Maybe I saw the stat that was since Klopp's been in charge of Liverpool is more than than Liverpool. And I appreciate they're kind of different clubs competing in a different transfer pool, but that does seem mental. And their squad is pretty, uh, yeah, costly. Thirty-five million for Alex Wobi. It's mental. That is a lot of money for. And it was then. It was then like they're in a situation where, okay, what sort of players do we need to get ourselves out of this in January? And this is where kudos again to the decisions that Newcastle made. And and I don't know how kind of involved how was, but they were players that you. I think Sam, even you said it at the time. I, th- I think they improved the team broadly. You know, Dan Byrne target obviously Bruno Gomerich is a is a very talented player but has hit the ground running but the players that Everton brought in 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 the January transfer window like it was clear they weren't the sort of players that would get them out of it and I mean the the 2-0 win that you know we've covered recently on the pod that we had was probably one of the easiest Premier League fixtures I've seen Saints have for some time and it just felt that yeah they brought on players like Ali and and Van der Beek and it was just so so easy for us that game yeah just bizarre decisions at that club I think going on the transfers there, I think with our keeper situation, if we lose Forster and we're saying McCarthy's number one and, and we're going to try and bring in a young number two, I just think that's where 
we need to go and repl- go and get a number one that's attainable. Like if Burnley go down, I think Pope's attainable for us. We could go and get Nick Pope. I think we we've mentioned Sam Johnston on here before. Free, he might end up going to a bigger club. Fair enough, but there's two options, and even a third, a Dean Henderson loan, would be. Do you know what I mean? Just go and get someone that's going to come and win win the job right away, rather than doing an Everton or just doing something. Just get someone that's going to come and do it now. T Rex, yeah, that's what I just I swear like that's what that's what you again Newcastle can do that now because they got the money. But I just feel like that's what. But we're not going to break the bank for Nick Pope or a Dean Henderson loan. Did anyone see the inflatable T-Rex that was thrown onto the pitch in the, uh, in the Merseyside derby? Relatively humorous. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be really intriguing what Saints do and we'll hopefully cover it in the summer, you know, in terms of our, our transfer dealings and whatnot. But the squad does need to be drastically improved. I do want to have a quick chat about two topics away from the first team. So, firstly, our women's team have done the double. They have won the uh, FA WNL and the, the League Cup, beating Huddersfield um, 3-0. Just seem to be in a really, really good spot. And again, I still find it mental that we now have to, I believe, it, the playoff is against Wolves. I don't know if you've seen that. We, we've got a playoff against Wolves for who then goes into what is effectively the championship in the women's tier. But we've won the league pretty comfortably. I think Wolves have done basically the same, but we have a playoff game now on the 21st of, of May to yeah decide who will go up. But yeah, I think the kind of people that are more in the know on that tier of women's football just say that Saints have been by far and away the best team. We've invested quite a lot and kudos to Marianne Spacey and, and the team. Um, but yeah, really, really good things coming out of, of that side of the club. I think that I remember when they, because they've just really started to invest in the women's team in the last kind of like five years, haven't they? And I remember when it first came about just dealing with like with a club here when we had the partnership, I asked questions about it. And basically we started, I think, we, we've had a few back-to-back promotions, right? I, I do follow up, but not probably as intently as I should do. But the, the, the answer is, we have the budget of like the top division, but the FA wouldn't move us all the way in there. They basically said, you're starting here and you've got to make your way up. So, I mean, that's, people go, oh, you've got the money to do it. You've still got to do it. And, and they're doing it comfortably and in the right way. And like you said, Marion Space is doing a great job. And I think that, I think in two, three years, we'll be in the top division. Yeah, I am. I'm very hopeful of that. But I think we've had one promotion since the club was founded. And then we were basically looking set to win the league. And then COVID got, kind of cancelled the That's right. the the last um kind of yeah I guess shot that we had at that. Um so yeah I think it's a really interesting kind of level of of women's football in that there are players there who some play for their countries. We've got a few, you know, a couple of Northern Irish internationals and Casey Rude who plays for for New Zealand and and such. But I think that some of the teams you're playing with just aren't competing with similar budgets and there's quite a gulf. Whereas if we are to get into the next level and Wolves would be a really good test for us and I don't know who people are expecting to win out of us and Wolves, um, like that that will be our level and a really good level at that, just one between the, yeah, the, the Super League. 
I think it's good to see, to see the club invest in women's football as well, just in terms of the England games as well. I think they get, they're sold out for the Euros this summer. Yeah, they are. They are. There was 5,000 at the game. Did you see the one in Barcelona? Barcelona PSG was oh. like 90,000 or 89,000, yeah, something like that. In- incredible, incredible. And like, you know, young lads wearing, is it, um, I forget the very famous Barca player, I'm going to pronounce her name wrong, Alexi Pateas, I think. Pateas, yeah. Yeah, Pateas, yeah. so like lads wearing her shirt and um, like an old grandma who'd been a season ticket holder for the men's team and was like in tears saying, I never thought, you know, I'd ever see this for the women's game. And yeah, I mean, they they are, I think, statistically, like one of the best teams in sporting history now. They just they won 40, 40, 40 games, 40 out of 40 this season, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Barcelona. Have, yeah, yeah. No, I think we're we're doing a good job, uh, Saints, in on on the women's side. And um, I tweeted it out, but our, our under eighteen team and our under twenty threes have had a really decent kind of second half of the season. But it would be remiss of us not to call out Tyler Dibbling's hat trick. Which, if you haven't seen it, listeners, please do. They basically look like replays of the same goal, um, but sixteen-year-old Tyler Dibbling scores a hat trick with his left peg. I don't know if you two want to comment on that, but just class. I'm surprised Newcastle haven't bought this from the top of that. <laughs> I saw, I did see on um, Twitter as well, somebody gave like a shout out to Matt Crocker since he's come back. It just seems like our 16s, 18s, 23s have just kicked on a little bit. So that without that going unnoticed, but it's good to see some players. Come. Who's the lad that just signed the new contract as well? He just signed like a two year. Oh. What's his name? Ballard. 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 He's yeah, been yeah. Tom Ballard. Yeah. He's Ballard, been really yeah. good, isn't he? Yeah, but then yeah. it's, we've sold Slatter. He's gone, hasn't he? Permanently. Yeah. Yeah. He's, Mother, a, he's a mother, mother, mother well, well. Yeah. Yeah. She's right, mate. <laughs> <laughs> old classic. Old classic. <laughs> no, you're right on the Crocker thing. I think we. I think our under 18 teams are top. Will remain top of the of the kind of, yeah, I guess the footballing pyramid at that level and, and are doing really well. Ballard, Pierce, and I think Dibbling have been quite important to that. Um, but yeah, uh, the, uh, that's the thing about the first team. We're on the beach. It's probably not too much to get excited about between now and the end of the season. We don't want to capitulate and lose every single game, but maybe some minutes for, I don't know, someone, one of our more promising youngsters would be quite an interesting thing for Ralph to do. I'm not sure if he's he's going to, but... Yeah, it's uh, very exciting, I think. There's a few of the players coming through there. I think that could appease people like me. Do you know what I mean? If he put if he put some like youth players in and if we put up a fight and lose 1-0, we're like, oh, we're safe. But at least he's trying to bleed in the next crop. But, yeah. I think mean, a lot of it hinges on prize money, doesn't it? He can finish two or three places higher up and... It's, it's, it might be another player in the summer that they can bring in, but you just weigh it up that, isn't it? Because, I mean, if you give someone like Ballard a go, what does it hurt? I mean, he's not going to be any worse. Than, I mean, you'd rather have him playing than a Walcott on the bench. Agreed on that point. Yeah, I, I think it'd be really good to just, I mean, just even a name on the bench. And if he gets 10 minutes, I mean, it's not going to drastically affect the result of a game at least you know who knows but yeah I, I think it would be worth doing just for the kind of feel good factor as we exit what has been a relatively mixed season um fellas been very good to talk all things saints and go through yeah the recent games we have uh palace at home on on saturday how do we think this is going to go 
seven seven. <laughs> I think it's either going to be a, it's either going to be like a nil nil or it's two teams that are just in a similar situation, aren't we? Yeah. So I think it's either going to be like watching paint dry or it's going to be really really interesting. Either are you going? I'm going. I've got some really. I'm quite looking forward to seeing one or two of their players. It's Michael Elise is very very exciting. And I mean, I mean, and we obviously get the the side show of, of Zaha, and I'm sure we get a nice reception back at St Mary's again. Ward Prowse's favourite game of the season. It is. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm. A, I'm actually in Seville this weekend. Um, and by the parties of uh, the Real Betis fans, they've gone hard over the last few days because they've just won the Copa del Rey. I'm wondering what state Seville's going to be in once I arrive. Um, but yeah, it. Uh, I think. I think you're right, Paul. I think it could be quite uh, quite an interesting one. I, I just wouldn't mind us trying to... I mean, this is sort of said with the caveat that I don't want us to fucking get hammered, but just, just try and be a bit more attacking. Like I was chatting to my brother, we were there on, on Sunday and just felt like we would get into not bad positions and come back and just hope that Ward Prowse could put in a good ball. And like you're just pinging balls at Shane Long's head and it was just pretty uninspiring for about 60 minutes on Sunday and I just want to see a little bit more creativity and thought Redmond did okay and and uh, I think he'll probably keep his place for for Saturday's game but I just want to yeah see something of, of of interest and something a bit more fun than what we've maybe had to sit through in the last few games lovely stuff well Paul thank you very much for joining us and yeah Sam thank you as always listeners it has been yeah great to have you along for the ride we'll be back in a couple of weeks I think so our next few games we've got what have we got we've got Palace is it Brentford away then Sam you'll know that Brentford away and Liverpool and Leicester, Leicester. Liverpool to be midweek isn't it, it is, yeah I'll yeah. say this if if we stop Liverpool winning the league I'll never say Ralph out again <laughs> Well, they could all turn the other way. They could win the league of Samaritans. Oh, fucking hell. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> I, want Ra- I want Ralph Ralph on his knees crying <laughs> as we deny Liverpool the title. That's the hope. Chaps, uh, yeah, enjoy the rest of your weeks and we'll speak very soon.